Hello and welcome back to the Working Mama podcast. Today I have small business owner, HR expert and mother of three, Tegan Rose as my guest. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real world tips, tricks and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. My name is Karina O'Brien, a fellow working parent trying to manage the juggle. Each week, we'll be looking at all things related to working parents with special guests and solo episodes to help you navigate the world of having children and a career. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a regular listener, then you will know that I run an active Facebook group for working mothers called the Working Mother Community. Please do head on over and join in this community to engage with other like-minded and amazing women and continue on the conversation. Now on to today's guest, Tegan Rose. Tegan is a business owner and working mother of three young children. She has worked in the HR space for many years and is passionate about supporting businesses grow and thrive through good people practices, which in turn helps contribute to a productive and successful community. Tegan also serves on the board of a local charity, which provides crucial assistance to those less advantaged in the community and spends her limited free time tackling the walking and running trails with friends in the beautiful Dandenong Ranges and surrounds. Now let's hold on over to the chat. Good afternoon and welcome, Tegan. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you today. Thank you very much. Looking forward to being to being here. <laughs> so how about we kick it off? And why don't we start, Tegan, by letting you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I'm often asked this one in terms of, you know, how, how do you describe yourself or what are your greatest strengths? Um, I ex- describe myself most of the time as a bit of a rushed mess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do seem to be in a rush a lot of the time. I'm a fairly restless person. Quite, I can be quite impatient. So I, I do tend to fill my days with lots of things. Um, do have trouble saying no sometimes. So, And it's not hard with three kids to be pretty to be pretty busy. So, um, yeah, a rushed mess is probably about the best way to describe me. (laughs) We all know the challenges of saying no. Yeah, absolutely. And you say that you've got three kids and you work. So what's your background? How, what's been your, uh, path to where we are today? Okay. So, I um I studied uh, at uni in my early twenties. I didn't go straight to uni um, from school. I had a bit of a break, went into the workforce, tried to figure out what it was that um, I liked and what I was good at, and then chose a uni course that could actually help me get there. So I guess that's how I kicked off my career in in HR. Um, I was always really keen to be a mum as well. It was kind of you know, the big thing, the big dream for me was to be a mum. I always thought I'd have three boys. I have two girls and one boy, um, the little boy sandwiched in the middle, the poor thing. Um, <laughs> and I probably, because I am a fairly active person and quite impatient and, and like to be running around doing things, I just envisaged that really busy, um, you know, that really busy life with, with lots of kids and things and thought that that was going to be what I wanted. Um, the more I worked, though, I realised that I actually really enjoyed that too. So I suppose when we eventually did decide to have kids, I was 30 when I had my first. Um, it was 
it was really hard to kind of stop work at that at that time and be at home with my first I, I really didn't know what to expect um, and it kind of you know having having grown up thinking I want to be a mum and I want to be at home with the kids and I want to just have that really busy mum life kind of thing I, I just didn't expect to want to do both things and really still be involved in my career as well so that kind of came as a bit of a shock and, and took me a little bit of time to figure out how to balance the two things um, but yeah it just I don't know I mean HR was good in, in many ways in terms of my early career because it, being in that kind of role and helping businesses through um, you know, helping them cope with with change around people coming and going from maternity leave and stuff, I suppose it helped open up my eyes and see how that process worked. So in some ways I was probably a little bit better prepared maybe than others who, who didn't touch on that side of the business. So I guess I knew what some of the things were that I could and couldn't do as well. So I suppose that gave me a little bit of comfort knowing what, what my rights and, and what works obligations and things were. Um, but, yeah, I suppose... I guess life just kind of happens, doesn't it? You just sort of stumble through it. And, <laughs> you know, here I am three children later and, and still working and, and having those young kids. It's, um, yeah, somehow we just, we just manage to do it. We just, we get up the next day and we keep going. Um, and it's not always easy, but, but we do. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like when you finish year 12 and it's like, right, I'm going to do this career and that's going to be it for life where we know these yeah. days you have multiple careers uh, and certainly, um, you know, becoming a mum as, as a female, often that's, um, you know, a large portion of females, they want to go down that path. And it's mm. de definitely different um, when you have that realisation of, oh, I really want a career and also a mum. Yeah, I, I want it all. Yeah. <laughs> I need it too. Yeah. <laughs> now I've got to make that work somehow. <laughs> yeah. And you talk, you talk about when you had um, your first child, so your, your first daughter, about how yeah. it was hard making that transition, you know, that you realise I still want a job, like I still want a career and a job, but I still also want to be a mum. How did you go about, in your, even in your own head, of um, working out uh, where you go with that? Yeah, um, I guess I've, I've been lucky having um, support around me. My parents... Um, lived fairly close and my partner's parents a little bit further away but still quite happily happy to be involved so I suppose from the get-go um, I had that level of support knowing that they would be happy to have my daughter one day a, uh, a week and then I was then comfortable knowing that I could also access childcare for another couple of days a week so I suppose from the from early days I thought look I'll hopefully I'll be able to go back, you know, sort of three days a week in the initial days and, and, and have a bit of a balance between work and home. Uh, sorry, yeah, work and home and, and, and I guess get to do both things that I wanted to do. Um, but I think it was, it was always just that process of trying to figure out how much of each was actually going to work for us. And I suppose we knew early on that, that my partner's career and, and his job was probably not going to be as flexible as mine. He's in the sort of construction industry. So it was just not quite as easy for him to, to be able to have that flexibility required. So I knew it came down to me. Um, and I guess we're just trying to, we just sort of, I guess, fumbled our way through really. I think everyone does. You just, you just kind of figure out what supports you've got, what you can access, what you can financially cope with um, and just take it step by step. Um, I was fortunate to have a workplace that was 
flexible enough and happy to sort of talk me talk with me about what was going to work best for both parties um, and and my role there in HR had very much developed from a, a grassroots junior sort of entry level HR role and I built that role up so they were keen to have me back too so I, I guess I was in that fortunate position to know they wanted to have me back and were therefore happy to be a little bit more flexible too and trial that so sort of went back with a bit of a trial period and you know, is three days going to work and, you know, what does that look like? Do we need backfill for the rest of it? All of that kind of stuff. It was fairly open and, and again, being in HR and kind of knowing what my rights were and what my employer's obligations were did definitely help with that because I had that knowledge, I guess, of, of what I could and couldn't ask for. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big part. Not a lot of people actually do have that insight. Yep. So that's definitely an advantage that you had. That for sure. And you talk about how... Um, even from from becoming a mum, uh, your I guess what you thought maybe when you were twenty, uh, starting your HR degree, to what we were when you were thirty, having your first child. How do you reckon that before children, and then obviously after children as well, like how your perception of being a parent has actually changed, um, oh. and also how this has impacted your like, or not impacted, but how it's also changed your perception about having a career. Yeah. Um, I had no idea when I was 20, honestly. Uh, like, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> um, you know, it's so easy so easy to judge when you're on the other side of the fence, isn't it? Um, you know, no perspective whatsoever on, on how much parents take on and how much working parents um, have on their shoulders on a day-to-day basis. It, it, yeah, I had no idea, really. Um, and again, I, I was lucky because I was exposed to some degree through HR and I had some more mature friends as well who were already parents. So I guess I'd seen some of that play out and, um, you know, I'm, I am a fairly, you know, analytical kind of person. So I would think about how it, how it all played out for them and what kind of impact that had. And they would talk to me about some of their struggles and, and needing flexible work and all that sort of stuff. But really until you're in the situation yourself and you know your parenting style and what works for your family and, you know, what your partner might do if you've got one or what, whether you've got family close by, you just really have no clue until you're in the thick of it. Um, and I think what that's done for me as, as I've kind of moved through my career over the last sort of nine years since having my, my first it's just given me so much more perspective and the ability to really see things through other people's eyes. Um, and that's, it's a vital skill to have in, in the area I work in, but just in life in general, I think I am much more likely now to just, um, you know, see other people go about their life and business and, and not be judgmental and just be able to go, you know what they're doing, they're rocking it their way. And if that's what works for them in their family, then that's cool. Like it doesn't really impact on me or we can work out the things that do impact on me. It's just, everyone's just got to do their own thing and do what works for them. And I think that's probably what it's done for me, having kids and being in the thick of, you know, three young kids and, and a business and that sort of thing is, I just sort of think, well, we're all just doing our doing it the best way we possibly know how. Um, we've all got our own challenges and it just makes me take a lot more perspective, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's one thing uh, that, yeah, that that judgment, um, certainly before becoming a parent, you're going, why would they do that? And, you know, why would you still be breastfeeding at this age? And yeah. It's, it's different. Um, and until you're actually walking in those person's shoes, you've actually got no idea what life is like. That's right. You just... Yeah, you just, you can't judge. You just, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, we're human, so we we do we inevitably do kind of think, oh God, I wouldn't have done it that way. But I just think, yeah, the further along you go in your own career and life as a parent, you, I think that you're much quicker to sort of take the other person's perspective and go, oh wow, you know, that's that's cool that they're doing it their way um, and it works for them. So so what does it really matter? <laughs> yeah. Have you had any big surprises about managing the juggle now? Something that you maybe not didn't realise before. I think I've realised how much can actually be squeezed into a 24-hour period. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I never, ever thought that you could do all of those things at once. And I, I mean, we often, I often, my partner and I, we often laugh about how, how we thought we were busy in our 20s. You know, we were madly saving to buy a house or go on a holiday or, you know, socialising with friends. And, and we, I laugh now and think, God, we thought we were so busy. We'd come home and, you know, that big sigh at the end of the day, have a, you know, have a glass of wine or something and go, wow, that was such a busy day. And I just think now, my goodness, I've done that plus another three or four different things and and I just keep going. You just get up and you keep going. I just I just didn't realise how much you could squeeze into a day. <laughs> yeah, and the resilience as well that just because you finish work at a certain time in the office, you still come home and you've still got little people that need to be fed and bathed and put to bed as well. Absolutely. I think work for me is the almost the safe haven or the easier um, option on most days um, because the home stuff is, yeah, that, that's kind of the never ending. The groundhog day, as I call it sometimes with young children, it's, yeah. it's, it, there's so much to do and that mental load is incredible. It, it just ticks on day by day by day, you know, and it just it increases that list of things to do that's hanging around in the back of your head. Um, it just gets more and more and more. And I feel like at work, I think that's why I'm quite different people, I think, at home and at work. At work, I'm very um, structured and I write a list every day of what needs to be done and I tick it off and it's all very visual and, and, and I need to do that to feel like I've accomplished something. At home, it's like this, as I say, it's the list in my head. I never even get an, op- an opportunity to get it out of my head onto paper so I can tick it off. It's just yes. there and it keeps building. <laughs> yes. No, I'm exactly the same. I've got my work list and every week, the start of new week, I write my list of because I'm a goal-orientated person and I feel yeah. like by the end of the week I need to have crossed at least something off home it's organized chaos it is it is I'm not even sure I can call it organized at home I think it's just it's chaos and it just whatever priority happens to creep up to the top is what gets dealt with um and I'm sure there's so many things that get dropped and missed but that's okay we're all still alive we all get out the door in the morning (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) and so we talk about how that you know the juggle and that what do you reckon have been some of your biggest challenges so far um across any of the stages around pregnancy being on maternity leave um, and then even uh, returning to work and how have you also overcome some of these I think one of the biggest challenge when I had my first was keeping my brain ticking over and busy enough while I was at home in those early months um, as I say I I did struggle with finding that new balance of you know um, being a parent and and having that beautiful newborn but but that doesn't that didn't stimulate my brain um, so I, and, and there was guilt attached to that too, is, you know, why am I not just here enjoying this? Why is my brain thinking about what the next thing is and what I'm going to, you know, how I'm going to keep myself busy. So that was, a, that was a challenge for me to keep my brain busy and feel that I was still valued for the knowledge and the experience and, um, you know, my, my technical skills and those sorts of things. Um, 
and the fact that they weren't being used as a parent in those early days because I was just there as as mum and you know the person to cuddle that beautiful child and um and feed it so it was that it was it was like going into a new job and and not knowing what skills were required for it and not using any of the old skills that I had yes <laughs> um so that I did find that a real challenge but once I realized you know what sort of time frame I was going to go back to work and all that sort of stuff I then I suppose could enjoy it a little bit more knowing that um you know that I had that to look forward to and that I could I was still going to be valued for that side of of my life and did that it there take was a massive value yeah did it take you long to obviously you have the new child and you sit down you're thinking like particularly after a partner's gone back after um, leave you sit and go I've got this child now what do I do and then obviously going back to work you've got that end goal you talk Mm. about the challenges about needing to be mentally stimulated how did you also go about working through some of the process of okay I know that I need this and how am I going to help find that stimulation Mm. I kept in touch with my work fairly closely. Uh, again, fortunate that that my workplace, I had a lot of people who were both friends and colleagues. So I really did um, keep quite close contact with them and would see some of them socially, but I would also pop into work with, with my baby and everyone wanted to see me. And, and I, I guess I made use of those sort of keeping in touch days, I guess, and actually went in for some of the company events and things like that. And I suppose that helped um my brain continue to be involved and in, in that side of things and know that it was still there and that you know that people did still value me for that and wanted to see me come back so I guess for me it was yeah it was filling in the space between the days of being at home knowing that there was touch points for me back in that that career-based <laughs> um, activity as well um and I just kept myself busy. I, I, I've never been a person who can spend too much time um, in my own company at home. And so I was always out and about with my friends and my mother's group and, and really just keeping very busy um, so that I was stimulated, whether it be, you know, mentally or physically. Um, but then I guess, you know, the, the opposite side of that is that, that, you know, I also was aware that I needed to actually enjoy being a parent and be in the moment as well um, because I know those days while they seem really long at the time are really short once you've gone past them. Mm. So it, that was a challenge too of, you know, sitting there thinking I, I really should be enjoying this because I know that it's not going to last forever. Yep. Um, but it's, and it's not an inherent part of my nature to do that. I, I, I do struggle to enjoy the moment sometimes. So it was just that constant reminding myself, you know, you've got to enjoy where you are now, knowing that you've got something else coming as well. So that's a, that's a never ending struggle for me. <laughs> and did you find it easier with the second and third children knowing what you'd gone through with the first? Absolutely. I actually really did. Um, and despite the extra workload that the second and third added, um, I guess I knew more. I was more confident in my my parenting skills. I knew what to expect a little bit, despite the fact that they've all been very different as well. Um, at least I knew that underneath it all I could manage and that I, I would also be going back to work and have that mental stimulation. So I, I possibly enjoyed parenting newborns um, more with the second and third because I knew that that time would pass a little bit quickly and, and I should enjoy it while I could. But and, and with your first, I think that you're still just you're finding your feet and you, you don't know how you're going to feel, um, you know, day by day and month by month. And as I had the, yeah, the second and third, I guess I, I knew a little bit more and, and could anticipate what might be coming up. And 
I actually found that I, I held on to those months a little bit closer with my third, knowing that she would be um, my last. And, and I went back to work a little bit later than what I had initially planned. So that was interesting too, because I suppose by that stage, I thought, wow, I, I am going to be past this pretty soon and I'm not going to have another opportunity to have this time at home. So I can enjoy it and I will hold on to it for just that little bit longer um, before I go back. So yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. <laughs> yeah. What a great experience as well. And it will probably, uh, also how you've then grown as a person, as a mum, um, and how the perspective as well has changed from, you know, child number one to child number three. Mm, yeah, it certainly does change. And, and they're also, as I say, they're also different. They've got, they've got such unique little personalities and each, you know, each pregnancy was different. Each birth was different. Each baby was different with their own little challenges and quirks and, and unique little things about them. So, um, you know, that's added to this parenting skill set, I suppose, but also added to just generally your, your mindset and how you go about life. And again, coming back to that perspective, it's just given me that ability to really um, walk in another person's shoes a lot more as well, because I've had those three different experiences and, and kind of, I suppose, again, in HR, you're often the person people, particularly in bigger organisations, people will come to and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant and I want to go on that leave and, and this is how I, I think it's going to go and I've worked out that I'll come back after this much time and this is what I'm going to do. And, and I kind of, I giggle internally, but on the outside, I you know, obviously support them through it and everything. But in my mind thinking, oh, if only you knew that it's not going to work towards that plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, you can plan it out as much as you want, but that little that little human being that you birth is is going to change all of your plans and um and that flexible thinking is going to have to come into play and you're just going to have to roll with the punches and supporting people through that and being in touch with them while they're on mat leave and and then helping them return to work has actually been having done it myself was really valuable so that I I actually had some understanding of what they really were going through. Um, You know, those first few months in childcare where your kid gets sick every three minutes, Yes. um, you know, and just sort of saying to people, look, don't worry, just I can assure you that there'll come a time where they build up resilience and they won't be as sick as often, but these first few months, you've just got to roll with it. And yeah, you're probably going to be taking more sick leaves than what you ever thought possible, but it's okay. You'll, we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. And look, I think that's a, that's an amazing skill set to also have with someone in HR because sometimes you come across and there's they're like well you know they might be a bit younger never been through it or you've got parents that I think it's just every first mother thinks yep this is how it's going to be and it's not nothing till you realize that first day and or even when you've just birthed your child you're thinking yep whatever idea I had that goes out the window and whenever I just up every day and see what happens yeah that's right see where they land and figure out how I'm going to navigate my way through the day (laughs) yeah and you talk about the keeping in touch days now not everyone knows about these days even though it's been around Mm -hmm. for almost 10 years yeah what what way did you go about a first um, approaching your organization about keeping in touch was it a formal arrangement um, and like to have the 10 days do you want to just tell us a little bit about that yeah, so we, um, again, because I was close to them and, and sort of had a bit of a, a social relationship as well, we just talked through what, what might be coming up in the coming months before I was returning to work and whether there was an opportunity for me to still be a part of those. So I think they had a training, um, there was a training session happening in, in the city for, I think it was mental health first aid training and one of my HR colleagues was going to it and they said, would you like to go and do that as one of your 
point of view, keeping in touch days so that you can, you know, gain some new skills again before you come back to the workplace and I suppose keep up with, with what's happening in the workplace too, which was really great. So I did that. Um, and it was hilarious because I, I had to take breast pump with me and, and duck off during the training course to, to, to try and sort all that out at the same time. So that was, um, that was a really interesting experience and, again, gave me another, you know, walk in someone else's shoes for a day and, and realise what they're actually coping with. And then, you know, if they had any, they had a couple of team building activities, I think. So I was able to, to come in on those and, and even bring baby in and, and just still maintain a part of it. And they were you know, sort of semi-formal arrangements, I suppose. We, we confirmed them all in email and, and I know that they sat there in the employee file and it, and I, it gave them, it, it was probably, I was probably one of the first people who they kind of tried that out on, I guess. It was something I'd ensured that they were across and aware of before I took my own mat leave. Um, and I guess then they could try it out on me and see how it worked. And, and then, you know, when I went back to work, we were able to, to use that process with others. And I think, you know, what it's what I sort of, talk to my clients about now is just making sure that um you know they're they're either phoning or emailing or whatever works for the for the parent who's off on on parental leave is just keeping in touch informally so that they know what's happening in the organization and they can then make use of those formal keeping in touch days to to still be a part of it um, because a lot can change even in a few months at a workplace let alone if someone's taken 12 months or even two years off and, and making them feel like they're still a part of the team and a part of the broader organisation that they're valued is just such a key thing, I think, to um, making that return to work process easier. Oh, 100%. I think, it, as you said, yeah, it's also I think as a mother returning back to work, you've got confidence issues and part mm. of that also relates to can I still do the job? Is the organisation still the same? By And then by using those keep in touch days, it can actually go to assist women to actually overcome uh, some of that return to work, you know, lack of yeah. confidence as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost, I mean, sometimes it's almost like starting a new job again. Think, you know, things have changed and, and if you, you can, you can take a real hit because you've, you've already got that hit of, um, you know, whether it's guilt because you've, you know, you're leaving your child for the first time or you're just anxious about it or you've got a sick child or whatever it might be, you just, you're already feeling so much. Um, and if that, if that process of walking in the door and knowing that you're, you're kind of still up to date with what's going on in the workplace can just make it so much easier. Um, and, and as you say, your confidence can take a bit of a leap knowing that not everything's going to change and it's not like you're walking into a new job. <laughs> yeah. And did that, fit, did that then really assist you in going back to work by using those keeping in touch? So when you formally started back um, after maternity leave, did it feel that you were just stepping back in um, as another day because you'd had that engagement throughout your maternity leave? Absolutely. Um, I felt like I was walking, walking back into my second home again and you spend so much time at work that, that you do kind of want to feel just comfortable when you walk in the door um, and it, it definitely helped with that and, and then with each subsequent, I was at the same place for all three children. So, you know, I guess they, they knew what to expect from me and I knew what to expect from the workplace. So it just really helped with that each time and each time I gained more confidence in knowing even how to have those conversations of what I was and wasn't willing to do in terms of hours and days and that kind of stuff. I just, you know, I was able to advocate for myself and my family more as well as having a good understanding of what they needed from the workplace and what had worked and what had not worked in previous leave periods or returning to work in terms of 
the flexibility that I required and, and that sort of thing. So I just, I think just being open and, and um, them understanding what position I was in personally and me understanding where the business was at is, was just so critical um, to making that process work. So it wasn't just you going and saying, right, I want to work X amount of days. It, um, it was also, I guess, both parties coming together to find a, um, a, a common framework. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, there's, there's always a bit of give and take. And I think on one of them, we put a bit of a, a phase in period on one of my return to work. So I started, you know, with a few less hours or something and then worked my way up um, over a period of time just to, um, you know, assist with, with that, that transition. And I think with might've been with my second, there was some problems in terms of getting him into childcare on the days I needed. So I had to do a bit of swapping around to start with. And I think just keeping an open dialogue and and knowing that there's always going to be a bit of give and take. And I was fortunate that I was able to do a bit of work from home too. So I knew that there was that option to bring the laptop home and get stuff done if I if I had to leave work early or if I couldn't get get there that day because you know my child was sick or something like that. There was a there was give and take, and and they weren't so much a, a line of sight management um, or bums on seats kind of style. It was more outcomes based. They knew that I would get the job done, and that it might not be in your traditional nine to five. I might be sending you an email at two in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but the job's going to get done, and if it's not possible, I'll let them know. Just but just being open and honest, I think. And that sounds really, really so useful. critical. Did was that yeah, also? Absolutely. Yeah, and was that um, brought on by the organisational culture or by also having a good manager as well? Uh, both. Um, I mean, my manager was incredible and uh, incredibly supportive and, and actually had um, her own periods of maternity leave um, not, not dissimilar to mine. Um, her children were born in a similar kind of timing to mine. So I think together we, we worked our way through it and she had, you know, some similar needs. So the 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 manager is is definitely plays a critical part in how in the success on on or otherwise of a return to work or a maternity leave um, period, but yes, the organisational culture is also key. You've got to have people who who are not going to stand back and judge and and sort of you know point the finger and say, well, why do you get all this flexibility and nobody else does? And you know, because I know of places where that happens uh, and people get targeted because oh, well, you know, just because you've got a child you get to do whatever you like and, and come in at whatever time you want and leave at whatever time you want. And those of us who don't, you know, don't get to do that, we have to be here nine to five. There's places where that happens, unfortunately. I think it is changing, but it, it certainly wasn't like that at our business. Um, and, and again, that, that culture just assisted with, with the whole process. You knew that you weren't going to be judged. There were lots of people with family and caring responsibilities, whether they be for small children or elderly parents or, you know, anything really, lots of different things going on. Um, and that really fostered an environment where you felt comfortable, you know, putting your hand up and saying, this is what I need and can we make it work somehow? That sounds like an amazing workplace. <laughs> it was certainly great in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Cause I, yeah, not everyone has that. Um, but I think though, uh, that's some amazing advice and some tips for people, um, and for some, you know, all the mamas listening out there, I hope you were able to get something out of what Tegan's just said because um, definitely having that open communication, that dialogue, the culture and a good manager um, yeah. is certainly a big part of it. If someone doesn't have a good manager or a good workplace culture, what would you suggest to them on how to uh, approach flexible work and, and be able to have a good uh, return to work uh, experience? 
Yeah, I think the earlier you can talk to them, the better. Um, you know, even if you've got a bit of an idea before you go on maternity leave about some of the things you might be thinking, it's it's just it's keeping those lines of communication open, and and not everyone's going to be on the same page as you. Um, that's that's life, unfortunately. Um, and look, and if it do, I guess one of the big things I would say, if it doesn't work for you, and you're feeling like it's just never going to be a workplace that's going to give you the support or that you need, then you know, it might, you might have to look elsewhere because there certainly are workplaces that do provide that. Um, but I guess if, you know, if that's where you want to be and that's your career and, and you, you're desperate to go back, it's really just um, backing yourself, I think, advocating for what it is that you need, letting them know where you might be able to compromise on things, um, offering up trial periods, you know, sort of say, look, this is what I'd love to do. Can we give it a go for three months and review where we're at after that, see if it's working for the business or whether we need to tweak something? Um, I guess it's it's options and, and putting it in writing formally and being willing to just go in and have some really open conversations and, um, you know, be honest about what it is that you can and can't do. Um, you do have rights and, you know, it, when you're when you've got caring responsibilities for for school-aged children and, and younger you, you there's a lot of rights that you do have um but i would always say you know go about it in the most professional and open way that you can um to get the best outcome you know most i think most employers are out there to try and do the right thing it's just sometimes they don't know what the right thing is and they don't know how to change their business to accommodate flexible work and that's what we see with a lot of our clients too they they want to do the right thing by their staff, but they just don't know how. Um, so sometimes they actually need the ideas to be brought to them because they're not sure how to tweak it. Um, and it's also being aware that there are some roles that are customer facing or that they're, you know, about opening a business at 9am and or closing it at 5pm or, you know, those sort of retail roles, things like that, where you have to be there at a certain time. And, and so there's going to be things the business can't compromise on either. So I, I guess it's just being willing to have that to and fro and actually think about both sides at the same time that you're sort of advocating for what you need to. And having that communication and yeah, is what you yeah. say is pretty critical. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we might change tact a little bit. And mm -hmm. just wondering what advice would you give yourself, your younger self about starting a family? <laughs> I think it's just about doing what's right for you and your partner or, you know, your family. It's, uh, I don't think there's any right time to start a family. There's no secret recipe. There's no, there's no one way of doing it. I think it, I've seen so many different variations of, you know, age when you have, have your, have your children and, and living circumstances and whether you own your own home or you're renting or you want to take massive overseas holidays and you can do that with kids. You can do it without kids. It's, I think it's just tapping into what it is that, how it is that you want to live your life and just rolling with it because there's, there's no right way or wrong way of doing it. Um, and, and just backing yourself, having the confidence to do it your way and then advocate for yourself in whatever way you have chosen to do it. There's always going to be people out there who've got an opinion on whether you've had your kids too young or left it too late or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, if it works for you and, and your little unit, then go for it. Yeah, that's great advice. <laughs> and you talk about everyone's got their own way of of doing things, what way and what are some of the strategies that you use um, to helping juggle three kids, um, a mum, a business and also the family? <laughs> um, I, I do, tr 
I say I'm a bit of a mess, but I, I mean, I do try and be as organised as possible. I try and make sure that the, that the calendars are, you know, visible for everyone to see and that we, we all know what we're up to at certain times. I'm, I'm, I don't tend to overschedule sort of outside of school and, and work activities for the kids and things because I just find it's too hard. I find the stress levels just increase for everybody if we're trying to run around and, and get to all sorts of different, um, you know, sports and extracurricular activities. So I think with three children and, and wanting to do the business and my partner working full time, I think we've had to make that, you know, some might call it a sacrifice. We call it a choice that, that we're just going to keep things fairly contained um, while the kids are as are young and, and we're sort of still trying to cope with everything. So it's learning to say no. That's something that we've, that well, me particularly has had to try and work on. You know, I want my children to have as many opportunities as possible, but I also don't want us all to feel like we're constantly um, stressed and right on the edge. So it's, it's trying to stick to those routines, trying to keep the kids, you know, into bed at a really reasonable time so they don't get overtired saying no to a lot of things during the week so it doesn't put extra pressure on being strong with you know work and partners work about what it is that we need and when we need time off and another one that's been really difficult for me is when someone offers to help or to take my children for the morning or the afternoon or drop them off at something to say yes I'm not great at that either I'm I do like to be the one in in control of what's going on so um I am having to learn more and more to accept the offers of help when they are given. Um, and that is, I'm not saying that's easy. No, <laughs> I find no I'm really difficult. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. It's one thing I've definitely had to learn as a mum as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's hard and there's pride and there's guilt and there's all kinds of things wrapped up in, in it, I think. Um, but I, I am learning more and more and more that it does take a village to raise a child and, and I do have to rely on that village probably more than what I want to sometimes. I like to think I can do it all myself, but I'm learning that I can't. And, and when I do try and do it all myself, things start to fall apart. And our maternal child health nurse was fabulous. We had the same one for all three children. And I remember her distinctly saying when we brought our first child home, she turned around to my partner and she said, who's the most important person in this house? And my partner said, well, our new baby. And she said, actually, you're wrong. It's mum because mum is the one organising everything and doing everything. And if you don't look after her, everything's going to start to fall apart. Wow. Um, and, and I think it's the, it doesn't matter whether it's mum or dad or partner or the pri- whoever the primary caregiver is. I, I feel like that's a really important thing to remember is that if you don't look after yourself, if you're the primary caregiver, then everyone else is going to fall apart too. So it's, it's that bit too. And I've struggled with that over the years. Again, you know, giving everything to everyone else and not taking it for yourself. But I do have to keep reminding myself and I am starting to get better at saying no or saying I need to fix me right now and I need to pay attention to me and what I need because otherwise everything else is going to fall apart. Yeah, and as I've heard the saying many times, if you can't fill in it, you know, if your cup's empty, you can't help anyone. So you really need to regularly yep. uh, fill your cup. And so yeah. on that about self-care and, and filling your cup, what do you do then to uh, make sure that you're getting that, you know, that Tegan time? Yeah. Um, again, I'm certainly no expert at it, but I, I love my exercise and I love being outside. So I do a couple of boot camp sessions a week and my kids get dragged along to that after school and I'm quite ruthless about not cancelling it. So I will go rain, hail or shine. And I believe that the fresh air will actually help them too, particularly after a day at school. So 
I sort of insist on those because they're not only good for my physical health, but it's probably more so for my mental health. It's a great group of people that I'm with. I love them all. They're really good fun as well as me getting a good workout at the same time. So that's absolute key for me. I just won't budge on it. Um, so I do that. Plus I'm always looking for the next physical challenge or stupid event to sign up to so that I've got a goal from a, you know, personal perspective to work towards because it's that sense of achievement for me as a person outside of work, outside of being a parent, it's actually about something I really want to do for myself. Um, so I will, you know, book myself into that massive walk or a big run somewhere or that next big challenge, which gives me that focus and um, it's my thing and, and I will work towards it and I, and I will then make space to um, space and time to actually train for it too. So that's probably the biggest thing I do. I'm not great at, at taking time out to relax, but I don't really relax very well anyway. So I've kind of, I've kind of learnt over the years that, that going for the massage or the, or the pedicure or manicure or something, it's not me. I, it, I find it really hard to sit still. <laughs> oh, I, there's so much to say. I'm like, Tim, we should be doing this together because I've actually got yeah. a friend of mine recently said to me, she goes, Karina, what do you do to relax? I said, I'd go for a run. And she goes, yeah, insane. what do you do with that? I said, I love going for a run. That's my mental break. So I, yeah, you're talking my language sister. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's some people who just kind of look at me, you know, aghast and go, what do you mean? Like, why can't you book yourself in for a, yeah, massage or go to the spa or do this or do that. And I go, no, I just, I'd rather go and yeah, tackle the hills or something. Just give me anything to release. I think it's a release for me. That's probably what it is. It's, it's nature, it's fresh air, it's a release. And I'm usually doing it with, with, you know, fabulous friends. And I couldn't think of anything better that my friends and my exercise are my, are my thing. Um, and if I'm moving while I'm doing it, then great. <laughs> it's a two for one special, I say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and I think, yeah, good luck for your future activities. Keep us posted. Yeah, yeah will. <laughs> so we're going to change tact a little bit. Um, you've talked about how you've got a business. Do you want to give a bit of a yeah. background on your business and yeah. what you're doing in that space? Yeah, for sure. So I guess I, you know, even through my career and working within an organisation in HR, um, always knew I wanted to do something of my own one day and, and had a great friend and colleague that I was working with and had been working with for many, many years in, in the HR and learning and development space. And we'd sort of, you know, had those little side chats going, you know, one day we're going to do this for ourselves, we're going to set up our own company. Um, but while I had really, really super duper young young kids and babies, it just wasn't the right time. We need, obviously need, needed a little bit more time behind us as well as that ability to kind of take the, the financial risk, I guess, um, and do it. So we sort of just stumbled across an opportunity to to buy in, to buy this business um, and and do it ourselves, and it's a franchise, so we've actually got a lot of you know backing and support from from the franchise and, and all the things that we knew would take a lot of time to set up, like your IT and your marketing and all that kind of stuff, was sort of done for us. So um, we we just sort of pulled the pin one day and said we're we're going to do it, we're going to give it a shot, despite the fact that we're both crazy busy with our lives. Um, let's just let's just do it. Um, and I, and I guess we, I was also really conscious of wanting to lead by example for my children too and show them that you do have to have a bit of courage and believe in yourself um, and, and take some risks, sometimes calculated risks they are, but, but still, that you know, you've you kind of got to gotta go out there and, and find what it is that you want. Um, and some, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I'd rather, um, I'd rather get 
into my elderly years knowing that I gave it a shot than than not <laughs> I suppose yes. um so yeah we went out and and decided to to do this this HR business and um, and really we're, we're kind of working with small and medium businesses and they're real people like us. They're all running their own businesses. They're, they're trying to juggle their young families as well. So I guess we feel like we have a lot in common with them and we understand their, their problems. Um, and it's just, it's so much fun. It's, as I say, they're, they're real people. They're not big corporations. Um, you know, they're, they're your local mechanics or they're a retail store or a boutique or you know, a hairdresser or, a, you know, just lots of other people doing doing the same things that we're trying to do um, and, and juggle that, you know, family and, and business life. Um, and and as I say, they're, they're all trying to do the right thing by their staff as well and, and they're the people we want to work with. They, they might be really great at what they do technically um, but they've never run a business before. So that's where we step in and help them out, I guess, and, and just let them know what their, what their obligations are and how they can best look after their people so their people you know, help them grow their businesses. Oh, that's fantastic. It must be so rewarding as well. And um, it also provide a lot of flexibility um, in by having your own business. Yeah, it does. And and it, I guess, you know, despite the fact that my previous workplace was incredibly flexible, it, it still had, it still was a nine to five business. So, you know, I couldn't always get to the school assemblies or the, you know, the, the whatever might've been happening at childcare or, or all those sorts of things. Um, you know, they weren't quite as easy to get to. And I suppose now, you know, myself and my business partner, we can we can dictate to some degree some of the hours that we work. So it does give me a greater level of flexibility to, to make sure that I can be involved in my children's life a little bit more, um, as well as still achieve that dream and keep my brain busy, which is, as we say, as we've talked about, we know I need to do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm naturally nosy. So, you know, being in HR, you like to know what's going on with everyone else's lives and businesses too. So that helps. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So with your business um, and putting your, uh, your business hat on, what, um, do you want to give some insights um, into some of the trends that you're seeing around flexible work and maternity leave and return to work um, as what we've been talking about. Um, And, and not only uh, around, you know, everyone thinks maternity leave being mothers, but also then the role that fathers also then might be having uh, in raising their children. Sure. Um, I guess that would have been probably the main trend I would, I would have raised myself anyway, is that I I guess it's more partners and fathers are requesting parental leave um, and flexible working options. So the role of parenting we're seeing shared a lot more now. Um, And a lot of people, I suppose, going into business as well themselves to get that level of um, you know, shared care or flexibility um, as well seems to be happening a lot more often. Um, I, I think I think the economy more generally and um, life more generally, you know, technology advances, all that kind of stuff, it's all driving flexible work and, and changes to, to the way people are employed and when and how and where they do their work. So I think as a society more generally, things are changing um, and employers are trying to keep up with that and figure out how they can change their business to match those requirements. Um, and, and I think that is the struggle for businesses is to figure out, you know, for so long they've been, you know, opening at nine and closing at five and, um, you know, there's bums on seats and we know the work's getting done, but I think we, we're moving towards more of an outcome 
based measurement of, of performance and that's where it needs to go so that you don't necessarily have to be seeing that you've got bums on seat in front of you to know the work's being done because often it's not anyway even if their bum is on the seat um you yeah. know it's it's more about what they're actually providing for the business and and again does it really matter whether that's being done you know sitting in an airport or in a cafe or at home or um down the beach or or whatever it might be um there's there's so many options more options for people um in terms of working and technologies allowing that and it's just about um i guess mindset of people in management and leadership positions um you know going with that and realizing that that it can work for the business too um and you know there's lots of people out there now who are job sharing um you know, lots of people who are moving to more sort of casual or consulting models because it, it works a little bit better for them from a family perspective. Um, you know, there's there's so much that can be done. It's just about being willing to think outside the box um, as an employer or as a, a leader or manager and willing to just give something a try. Um, you know, fail fast, give it a shot. If it doesn't work, change it again. You know, I think that's probably one of the key things we talk to our clients about is what's the worst thing that can happen if you give it a go? Um, you know, if you put a short trial period on it, see how it works. If it doesn't work, change it, try something else. At least then you've made a fully informed decision and you're not just saying, no, that can't possibly work because we've always done it this way. <laughs> yeah, and um, having that openness to change as well. Absolutely. And I think it shows your, it shows your people that you trust them as well. And I think trust goes a long way um, when it comes to people working for you and, and giving you their best is if you trust that they are going to do their absolute best, um, you know, no matter where they're doing it or what time they're doing it or, or you know, how they go about it, um, then that itself can go a long, long way. Oh, definitely. And you also say that if the organisations and the employer is willing to give a little bit for the employee, the employee is probably going to give it back 10 times more through like a psychological contract that they then have for the organization because they had the support Absolutely. that they're providing their life, which is just so integral these days. It is. It is. As I said earlier, you, you spend so much time at work. Um, and, and I just think there's, you know, work and life, uh, it's just one big blend really. It's, and with technology, the way it is, you know, um, even children are able to access their parents so much more. I remember in my day, I, I couldn't speak to my parents between the time they left for work and the time they got home because you didn't have the mobile phones and the no. text messaging abilities and all this kind of stuff. They were just gone. They were inaccessible. And, and I see now, you know, um, again, with a lot of our clients, they're trying to run businesses and they've got teenagers who are accessing them, you know, every minute of the day through different technology mediums or stuff and lots of things being thrown at them. Um, there's such a blend of life and work that that it's kind of inevitable. So we may as well figure out how to best make it work for both parties um, because otherwise we're just fighting. We're fighting something that's just going to take over anyway. So it, it, I just figure you may as well give something a shot and, and tweak it as you go. Um, it, it's it's an inevitability. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great advice. And, and certainly the 9 to 5 has been around since... Oh, the, well into I think the last century I think about the 1930s um mm. around people working 100 hours a week it was you know right we have the 40 hour week the nine till five and and certainly the way with technology has advanced particularly over the last 15 20 years that's not always sustainable of what also what the lifestyle of people want these day and age yeah that's right and we I mean that those were the days when you generally also had you know one out of a couple who was at work and the other one was at home um and and it 
it, it's just not financially sustainable for most people to do that these days. So if you've got both, you know, both parents, if you're in a, you know, dual parent, parent home at work, then, then it's not like, you know, your children are only needing you from 6pm until 7am um, the next day. They, they need you all the time and sometimes more than others, depending on their age. And, and it, yeah, that, it's not possible to just shut that part out and say, well, all right, well, I can pretend my children don't exist because it's 9am in the morning and I, I can pretend that they do exist once the clock ticks over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, it just doesn't work that way. So, yeah, I just think it's, we've all got a responsibility to try and make sure it works for as many people as possible, I think. And are you seeing that uh, willingness to change in, in, with many of your clients? Yeah, look, I, I think I said it, you know, most, most employers are, they want to do the right thing and they want to make it work. And, and many of those employers are themselves from the, a similar generation where you are in a dual income, um, dual working kind of environment and, and they understand that, they're, that they need to be flexible. It's just some of them just don't know how to do it. And that's why I say I think if you're in a position where you're returning to work or, um, you know, wanting to take some leave or something, think outside the square, come up with ideas and then have that open dialogue about how to make it work because it's not that I don't think most employers go out there to say, nope, this is what you must do and I'm not willing to look outside of it. I think most of the time they're willing to have a conversation and open up the door. It's just a lot of them aren't sure how to go about it um, and probably because they've done it the same way for so many years. They just, they've just forgotten that it can be done differently or just don't know how to do it differently. So it's, you know, tap into, into your networks and find out who is doing something different with their employer and, and see whether your employer is willing to do the same thing or something, you know, a different take on it. Um, you know, just find the examples out there and, and demonstrate how they can work, I guess. And I think you've also today given some great, great examples about how you've embraced uh, flexible work and how it's worked for you and also your return to work. So um, I think yeah. there's some great takeaways from, from uh, everyone listening that um, from what you've already said, Tegan. Yeah, look, I think I've done it differently in a few different ways. And, um, you know, it doesn't, I guess the other, the other thing that I want to say is it doesn't, it's not always going to work either. And there are days where I think sometimes, what have I gotten myself into? You know, I've got, I think we were only talking before we started about, you know, on Fridays, I generally have a, a bit of time with my youngest who's not at school yet. And, and she sort of threw back at me this morning, oh, mum, you're always having to go on phone meetings or, or this, that and the other. And, and some days it just doesn't feel like it works. Some days it feels like those scales are out of balance. And, and I think you've just got to accept that that's the way it's going to be sometimes and that you'll bounce back and tomorrow's a new day. Um, and, yeah, it's I am someone, as I say, I like to be in control. I like to know that things are going to work out um, and, and work out to my plan. But I think the, the older I get and the more I've done this, I've, I've just kind of realised some days it's just not going to feel like it's working and that's okay. It's okay. And it doesn't work. <laughs> And I think that's an important part as well. Um, an important message is, is actually saying that it's okay, that some days aren't going to be as what you planned um, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the children are still going to love you. And, you know, on the whole, your, your business is still going to value your input and that sort of thing. And, and they know that, that, you know, you're giving your best as much as you possibly can. So it's okay. It is. <laughs> oh, look, Tegan, I reckon we could talk for hours um, on <laughs> your experience and your, you know, the way you fuel your cup and, and everything. So um, 
but unfortunately we can't. Um, but uh, before we finish up, um, where can people find um, out more about you, about your business um, and connect with you? Sure. Um, so my business is the HR Depth Ringwood. Um, we are on Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, if you just yeah, pop in HR Depth Ringwood, we'll, we'll come up and, and love to hear from anyone. Fantastic. So I just want to say thank you so much for this great chat, Tegan. You've had so many great hints, tips and advice and certainly from your HR background as well, which I think has certainly been quite insightful and so valuable. And hopefully to you listening, it it gives you that confidence to have that chat with your employer. If you've got some ideas about flexible work, definitely reach out to Tegan and the HR because I'm sure they'll, they'll happily support you. Well, thank you so much. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. So um, again, thank you so much. And I'm sure fellow mamas will take lots of inspiration from your story and also that businesses that are listening, feel free to reach out and also to realize the workforce is changing. Again, thank you so much. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A via Instagram at workingmama underscore AU or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.